Hello and welcome back to the We Might Be Biased podcast. Uh, I am uh, one of the hosts, Mastin, alongside uh, Scott. Hello, Scott. Mastin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. And uh, new voice uh, this this week and hopefully going to be joining us here moving forward, uh, David as well. Hi, David. Hello. Eyes, eyes on the ground this week. Eyes on the ground this week. Got it. Uh, and... Um, and, and and you two know each other. Is that is that accurate? Uh, I can I can honestly say I've known David for the better part of thirty one years. There you go. Just uh, so, just about yeah. Right. Uh, so so two the two the two brothers here uh, joining us this week. And so uh, I thought just general impressions here uh, to to kick us off uh, around what happened last Saturday uh, there at Northwestern. You know, in my opinion, uh, it was uh, sort of one of those games that we're going to look back on uh, and we're going to view it one of two ways. Uh, It's either going to be the game in which the wheels came off, as Don Brown said in in his press conference either today or yesterday, I can't remember. The wheels came off and we put them back on and we move forward in the season. And, and, you know, every every team uh, that is moderately successful and accomplishes their goals over the course of the year has a game like that. Um, or it's going to be the game that, that exposed some serious flaws uh, in, in what we're trying to do this year. And uh, we're, we would be, be able to recover it from Northwestern, but, but, but maybe not from uh, you know, the Wisconsin's and the Michigan States and, and, the, and the Ohio States of, of the world here as we move forward into the season. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where and what context this game's viewed in uh, here moving forward. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as far as kind of an over, overarching takeaway from it, I, I, you know, a win is a win is a win is a win is a win. Um, and you hope that this maybe falls into the context of, you know, a, a comeback uh, like at Minnesota in 2003 when we played them on Friday night, you know, a team we expected to beat and suddenly found ourselves way down on the road. And at, at that point, the season kind of hung in the balance and the team responded. Um I had a very odd feeling in this game and that like, even though we were down 17, nothing, it just felt like it was a 17, nothing that was like Northwestern did everything they could possibly do to get to that point, And there was no way it was sustainable. It, and it did, feel, you know, it took us, it felt very weird. Didn't it? Like, like there, there were, we were down 17 points. This is the, this is the what fourth largest comeback or something like that in, in Michigan history or, or somewhere. I, I think in, it ties, ties, you know, we had a night, I think, I was going to say, I think we had like a 19-point comeback against Wisconsin, and right. it's our biggest comeback since Notre Dame in 2011, right? Which is also 17 points. But on the road, I, you know, you probably have to go back to that Minnesota game uh, to find a, a similar comeback, and you know, just that overall deficit. I mean, we don't necessarily play a style of football anymore that gives you a number of possessions that makes you erase that deficit right away. But um, I really thought on rewatching that this game was much less frustrating than it was experiencing it live and taking some of the suspense and anxiety out of it. You know, Michigan missed several opportunities that had to win this comfortably by double digits. Well, either Michigan uh, missed them or the officiating did for them. Yeah. Um, We'll get into that. But, uh, but, but at no point in the game, uh, and Dave, I'd be, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. I, I mean, I, I was nervous, certainly, um, down 17 in the first quarter. Uh, but 
I never really thought that, that we were going to lose the game. I always kind of felt like, okay, well, I mean, that, that sucks, but, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll get rolling here. And when we scored the first touchdown, I thought kind of said, okay, well, uh, you know, th- this, this feels like a game that we are going to annoyingly win. Um, and, it's, and, and so, uh, David, what did you think? Uh, I, I will say that, uh, I tend to adapt my reactions to the, like to the general tenor of what's around me, not necessarily to match it, but like, so when, uh, the woman three rows behind me was talking about how Harbaugh should be fired four minutes into the game. I kind of decided that, you know what, I bet this is going to be fine because that's the dumbest thing I've heard in a while. But I, I, I agree that uh, kind of once the offense finally got going, uh, not scoring again right before half kind of bummed me out, but I kind of thought I didn't think Northwestern was going to score many more points. It was just a matter of if we were going to convert our chances to to, to get back into the game sort yeah. of thing. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely take the win. And I, I just don't, I don't think this team, this last year's team wins this game or maybe comes very close. So I think that's a really good point. That, well, that improvement is what I'm. Uh, yeah, and I thought, uh, and I thought Don Brown actually, he articulated uh, the differences between last year's team, at least from the defensive side of the ball, and this year's teams really well. And I referenced it earlier. I, I think his exact quote were, was, "You know, last year if the wheels fell off, they were off. There was no putting. The, there were no putting the wheels <laughs> yeah. back on. And this year, he feels like we can put the wheels back on. We can, we can come in. We can diagnose what's gone wrong." And uh, we can start to play better now. I, I did think that his uh, his general demeanor around the slow first quarter starts around sort of what we need to do differently, um, and sort of shrugging his shoulders over it um, uh, left a little bit uh, to be desired. But uh, but fortunately, he has uh, an infinite amount of credit in the bank, at least with me, uh, to to know that he's gonna he's gonna fix those things, um, you know, moving forward here. And, and based on what I saw of the Amazon series, I'm guessing that's not what he's saying uh, in the team room. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think uh, to give Don Brown a little bit of credit, I think it's probably also fair that you can take away from that statement that uh, we have a quarterback now who's going to go out and make plays and the defense doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, John O'Corn and freshman Brandon Peters and, and, you know, give or take maybe healthy Wilton Spate don't necessarily lead that team back. Even even though Patterson may have had, uh, you know, his his least consistent game so far. Uh, and we can talk about this more in the offense. Sorry, getting a little ahead of ourselves. But I think that played a huge factor as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, the quarterback, uh, I, I have to stretch pretty far back to think about a quarterback who takes us back there. Denard, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe Tate Forcier. Forcier. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I never did learn how to pronounce his last name. So, Dave, <laughs> you were, uh, in, by way of, of uh, introducing yourself to this, but you were doing some hard-hitting research around uh, around the, the Wildcat, the Northwestern Wildcats in particular. What did you find? Yes. Uh, well, I was, you know, thinking, you know, oh, because they have a huge inflatable tunnel. Okay. That my son was very excited to watch. Uh-huh. It took like 10 <laughs> minutes to inflate before they ran out. From underneath it, well planned. Big kind of well planned. Muscular gray wildcat on top of it, and I was like, I don't really know what that is in like in terms of a real animal. So I decided to go to the internet. So to set this up, turns- David has not shown us the picture of the wildcat yet. We're seeing it now for the first time. David, what what does a wildcat <laughs> look like? 
according to Wikipedia, a wild cat's just like a cat that you forgot to let back inside. <laughs> Wait, that's a wild. That's a wild cat. Yes. I, I know. Nice. I know that, that we're describing a picture here, but if I can maybe set the scene here for you, a wild cat is a house cat that someone forgot to groom. <laughs> now, now, David, David, would you say that a, a wild cat sounds like this, or, or perhaps does it sound more like this? I did. The pictures certainly point to to the latter. I would say. Okay, but my, okay. The, the biggest problem is that they're not even in this hemisphere. <laughs> There's no wildcats in North or South America, so I don't. I just have lots of questions. <laughs> I guess. So, so essentially, uh, somebody um, at the prestigious uh, uh, university uh, there north of Chicago uh, spun the mascot uh, roulette wheel, and it ended up with the words <laughs> "wild" and "cat." Almost cat. the way that one might might pick, you know, uh, their their porn name or whatever the uh, or whatever the Facebook games are that you're playing, and they, they they combined wild and cat and said, "Ah, this works. Good enough." Is there anybody else in the Big Ten that perhaps uses some audio that we could that we could rip from and uh, play it at every given opportunity? <laughs> I just I want to find one team in any sport anywhere in the world that uses a different sound bite. That's all I'm asking for. Yes, anything. Well, maybe do turtles make noises? Maybe Maryland has a real a nice rallying cry around Testudo. <laughs> It's just chewing of cabbage. That's all it is. It's just cabbage <laughs> chewing. So the wild. Okay. So so we've diverted. Yeah, sorry, a little. sorry. We'll, we'll get back on track now. Uh, thank you, Dave, uh, for, for looking into that for us. Uh, so uh, let, let's let's look at the defense uh, here because. Um, you know, I, I thought that uh, it was really an interesting performance from the defense, and it's it's sort of interesting the way that they're um, that they're giving up yards, and in a way, they sort of lost the game for us uh, in the in the first quarter, and then uh, absolutely won the game, giving our offense um, just enough time and just enough stops uh, uh, to to be able to to piece together. Uh, enough points there to overcome that 17-point uh, deficit. Um, so very, very strange game, uh, again, from the defense, not not from an aggregate st- standpoint. I mean, I think when you look at the game uh, and the statistics in that game as a whole, obviously uh, the defense, you know, if you just looked at that in a vacuum, you'd say the defense performed quite well. But, you know, what we can't continue to do is continue to go on the road and uh, and put ourselves in in two-score holes right off the bat. Totally agree. I mean, you know, statistically, I mean, Don Brown said in a number of his press conferences so far this season that 17 points or less is the goal. And certainly you're chasing perfection. Um, I'm sure in in a moment of just frank honesty, I think how those 17 points came away rankles him. Um, You know, that said, Northwestern got everything they got early uh coming off a bye week while they were probably still on their script early in the early in the first quarter um i felt we covered the slant routes much better this week uh and i thought thorson just made some fantastic throws to complete them uh but they were much more five six seven yard completions and not catch and run in huge voids of space uh, and when we showed that we were going to be able to at least cover those and take them away, Northwestern started moving to more dropbacks, and that's where we just absolutely clamped down. 
Um, David, I think you're probably going to mention this, but the starting field position, I think, played a role in, in Northwestern's early success. And I kind of mentioned it in my my overarching thoughts, but like I think 17 points was the most amount of points Northwestern was going to get, considering they really didn't have any broken plays or any kind of fluke you know, huge chunk plays. We had the one poor tackling on the screen pass, but I mean, that was going to pick up a first down. And that regardless. was very, very clearly. Um, um, that, that, I mean, that, that was a scripted play that they felt they could get some success correct. with. And, and it bit us, you know, sometimes you're, sometimes you're going yeah. to get got. Uh, now, I don't think it needed to be a 35 yard gain or whatever it ended up being. Um, but, but, no, that was a weird yeah, one. but that was going to be a successful play. I mean, you, there's sometimes you just kind of tip your hat. Sure. Well, and I, I think Winovich once again announced himself as perhaps uh, the heart of the defense, uh, at least from kind of an emotional standpoint. I thought Gary, uh, before he got dinged up, uh, certainly made a lot of impact without necessarily uh, having it show up in the stat line, which is kind of the unfortunate theme of his career. Uh, but I think you have to be encouraged by the guys who came in behind him. I mean, certainly Uche, mm-hmm. uh, but Pay. Uh, and even Michael Duomfor, I think this was Duomfor's first game where uh, he started to approach some of the stuff that was like, okay, now some of that uh, spring and fall hype uh, makes sense based on what we're seeing on the well, field. Well, Duomfor in particular, um, you know, he he has just you know the, that that first step that everyone was raving about um, in in you know uh, throughout the the spring and and into into camp um, is certainly showing itself. Um, you know, obviously, um, the uh, the uh, you know the uh, the run defense for for Dwum Four remains uh, somewhat problematic, um, but uh, but overall, I mean, I kind of thought uh, that Dwum Four was uh, disruptive, certainly in the pass rush game, the way that 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 we had hoped he would be um, after hearing him being hyped all all spring and all fall camp. Does anyone know? I, I may have missed this, uh, but does anyone know what uh, Aiden Hutchinson's deal was? Like, uh, I think he was in for like one play, but that surprised me. That was something that, that I that that I don't have a, a good answer for. But but you're right. He he was he was not uh, he did not play this game uh, meaningful meaningful snaps because he games. he's been one of the also very impressive uh, young guys on the defensive line. Yeah, just we seem to be hitting on quite a few of the of the of those of those recruits which has been fantastic but um yeah and, and Hutchinson clearly is not a guy headed for a red shirt so I you know I, I wonder if maybe he suffered some sort of some sort of ding in, in in practice but I don't believe I know certainly in the postgame coverage there wasn't really anything mentioned about him and at least in what I've seen so far from kind of various sources uh, I haven't seen him included in any of the injury reports that may just be an oversight on my behalf, but they, they haven't come out and said anything. Yeah. No one's uh, asking about him in the press conferences or anything that I've seen. So. No, I, ha- I haven't heard anything either. How worried are we about uh, Gary and uh, his shoulder? Pretty. Um, annoyingly, annoyingly worried. <laughs> Is that, I'm sorry. Pretty worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty worried. I, uh, you know, it would seem to me, you know, from a 10,000 foot view that this is something uh, that probably he he wouldn't be playing if he could worsen it. Um, but it's clearly impacting him. Um, you know, I, poor Gary is a guy who has such a huge impact in terms of how the pressure is achieved on the defense and what he's able to absorb and kind of take on. 
Um, and it, you know, we'll talk about the officiating later. But if there's a guy who gets held more, I have yet to see him. at the bit to talk um, about officiating. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, I, I agree with David. I, I obviously you're worried. Obviously, he's one of the best players on the team, let alone the defense. Um, and this is not to shortchange the injury in any way. But I, part of what I think was encouraging in seeing Uche and Pay. Um, and knowing that Hutchinson has played well uh, means that there's at least a little depth at, at, on the, along the line um, if he's going to be out for extended periods of time. I think it's important uh, that if there's any way that he could rest and get healthy, that you let him do that uh, because we have the meat of the schedule coming up here. Um, and so, you know, if he if he's not 100 percent and you think he could improve by maybe sitting um, I think that's something you probably have to consider at least yeah, this and week. Yeah, there's been some speculation around uh, uh, around whether or not he maybe needed some surgery and and didn't get it for whatever reason. But uh, you know, just just the general sort of uh, uh, bloody mindedness of of the universe that seems to be conspiring against Michigan um, uh, five star <laughs> recruits um, means that that we might not see Gary. Um, at his uh, fully operational battle station uh, 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 capabilities until uh, until he's in the NFL, which is uh, which is what what causes me the most amount of at least sadness. <laughs> it, 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 we're, we're we're definitely on track for a, a Mitch McGarry situation once again, mm-hmm. where it's just you know those teams were fantastic, but you're always going to just say, well, what if that guy who showed world destroying potential would have also been playing? Like I I, I have zero complaints about our defensive line as it has no, played recently, no. but if you have that guy there, I mean, you can't tell me it's not going to be better. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I have zero doubt having watched Gary play that he could perform at an Indomitian Sioux or a Jadavian Clowney, uh, in terms of impact immediately on the game level. Uh, and I think he's been shortchanged from a health standpoint and, and a little bit in terms of, you know, how things have been called. Well, the, the good news is, is that there is another, you know, death star uh, at the other rush end position <laughs> with Chase Winovich, uh, who, who has become sure. just an absolute joy to watch. Uh, well, let's also, let's also point out that we've, you know, talked about the defensive line here for the, for this chunk. And none of us has mentioned Aubrey Solomon, who, Oh, by the way, is another five-star and Oh, by the way, should be healthy enough to play here pretty soon. Um, you know, so it's, it's not for lack of talent elsewhere. It's just kind of one of those things exactly like David said that you kind of shake your head and think, man, if you had all those guys on the field at the same time, um, you'd certainly get more than 10 holding calls, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So quiet day from the linebacking core uh, in general. Um, Devin Bush was uh, out there, but not his usual sort of double-digit tackle self. I think he had one tackle um, recorded in the, in the stat book. Um, I think that was largely largely a function of how Northwestern was playing the game offensively and not not sort of a, any yeah. sort of commentary on, on the way that the linebackers were – uh, uh, we're playing necessarily. Yeah. They, yeah. Ross, Ross had that phenomenal stick to break up a pass. Uh, and that's really the only play yeah. that, that jumped out from a, from a linebacking standpoint on, on my watching. And so, so Ross, Ross is your guy there, right? I mean, I think, I think we've, we've, I think so. He's the one I remember making plays from that position. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I would say so. Yep. Um, Furbush, uh, in the first half, um, 
you know, uh, in terms of that Viper position where you need sort of Uber athlete uh, to be running it, um, you know, I, I didn't notice a, a super drop off uh, between uh, when, when Furbush uh, was was out there and when Hudson came back uh, in the second. Glasgow. Glasgow. <laughs> That's fun. If that happens again, correct me sooner. Uh, Glasgow <laughs> is what I meant. Well, I was waiting for you to say Hudson just to make sure I wasn't crazy. So. Yes. Yes. Apo- uh, apologies. Um, yes, uh, Glasgow. And so, um, you know, on the whole, uh, I think that that, that, that position in particular, uh, depending on what Hudson does here, um, you know, moving forward, um, in terms of in terms of his NFL potential and everything else, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't see a precipitous drop off uh, there uh, between the two players when they were in. No, but uh, I wonder. No, if, I, I, uh, so that's going to be something that you know. Hopefully, we don't have to see that because hopefully Hudson can stay in the game. Uh, but I, I wonder once you ratchet up the athletic talent, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term. Uh, if Hudson's impact becomes much more critical, because I, I, I don't, I'm not demeaning Glasgow in any way, but like uh, there's, you know, there's a, a difference in speed and everything. I think his play recognition is fantastic, but at the, but a lot of that position, as we've seen, is really just kind of being able to make make the runs and and get to certain spots in certain times. Yeah. So. Sure. I think I think the nice thing with Glasgow is, you know, his play recognition certainly is a, is a huge factor. Uh, he's shown that he can get home on a blitz if he's rushing from that position. Uh, and, and as long as he can cover a guy uh, in that intermediate area, you know, which I think he's shown so far he can do. I mean, we, he hasn't been asked to line up against a Saquon Barkley type by any means. Um, but as long as he gives you kind of that intermediate coverage and the ability to, to come up and make stops and, and get some pressure on the quarterback um, while, while certainly probably not being as dynamic as Hudson is. Um, I, I think, you know, I could hopefully speak for all of us in saying that the drop off is not nearly as much as, as I was right. honestly expecting it to be yeah. uh, after Hudson's mm-hmm. first targeting penalty. And, uh, and, and that leaves, you know, sort of the, the two corners and, um, I will espouse a, a position here that is simply me watching the games, um, and, and, and admittedly not sort of digging into uh, into too deeply what what's going on. But the, the corners, um, uh, both Hill and Long, seem uh, a little bit more squishy than they were uh, last year. Uh, and yeah, I like that. I like squishy. I'm <laughs> as to whether or not that is. Um, uh, a simple sort of regression towards being um, phenomenal instead of like uh, otherworldly uh, as, as they were last year uh, statistically, but it just, uh, and, and this could also be um, a function of the, of, of the officiating and, and the, the quick flags that some of them are getting um, this year that maybe they weren't getting last year, but it just uh, it just seems a little bit easier to complete balls on on both of them uh, this year, but but admittedly that that's very sort of feelings ball for me and not necessarily deep analysis. Um, uh, how have you guys uh, thought the corners have performed here, yeah, Dayton and Northwestern? I, I think this this may be a case where the off season uh, kind of hurt because you you kept seeing those pro football focus like grades of returning cornerbacks and. David Long is 10%, but like are allowing like one out of every 600 passes to even come within two feet of him. And 
it just even watching last year, I was it's, it was almost astounding how few passes were completed against now against them. Maybe you know I don't know if this is a just they're getting more t- targeted more often or because teams you know maybe bought some of the hype of our safeties improving in coverage, so they decided to test them more. But it, I, I yeah, I, I haven't seen them like hilariously out of position no. much. It's just kind of it just seems like the ball's kind of finding its way in there, which I guess is. You know, as frustrating as it is, I, it's something I kind of have have had to tell myself that it's not it's not reasonable to to kind of have multiple years. I think uh, of the of last year's production. So that that's uh, more of just a calm down, Mast, and and stop. Well, no, I, I, I mean, I, I think you're right in terms of the the play on the field. It's it's just it's one of those things of how our uh, past events, you know, color our our our, our view of it. Uh, and you know, I you know, I think we've seen their capability, but. That's that's a tough uh, level to maintain, I think. Do you think there's any credence to the people out there who are saying that, you know, we have had this is year three now of Don Brown's system. Uh, they've got film on, you know, from an aggression standpoint, maybe some looks to look for, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and teams have decided maybe to test them more uh, this season than perhaps they did the last couple of years. Uh, and whether that's playing any role in it. I mean, I, I think David makes a really good point in terms of it may be a little bit of a Plinko board in terms of, you know, the, the ball's just happening to get into some pretty tight, tight coverage. Uh, whereas last year we were getting more pass breaks ups, um, you know, from the, the Northwestern compared to the Notre Dame game, yeah. I thought the coverage actually was better. I mean, the, the two penalties they took, I think were actually good penalties. I mean, you had one-on-one in the, in the end zone on a corner route where, um, I think it was long, uh, was, was beaten, uh, and, you know, made the decision to kind of live to fight another down. Uh, the defensive holding was another one where the guy may have gotten a step on him and he, and he turned him around. I didn't think that was egregious as everyone on the telecast made it look, but I understand that's a flag that's going to get thrown, you know, 90 times out of a hundred. So, um, I, I, it's, it's one of those things, Mastin, kind of like we talked about with the rest of the defense, where you, you get used to a certain level where you yes. get annoyed with first which downs. Is, which is a wholly um, untenable right position now, to hold. <laughs> <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct, right? But it is one of those things where we're used to these guys making these kinds of plays. And so, you know, in, in live action, it kind of feels as a, oh, woe is us or what's going on with our coverage. And then you look back and, you know, they threw for 170 yards and and really no busts of any sort. Um, you know that kind of performance you can you can live with, but you also kind of know that these guys are perhaps. And it could also be a function a of not, um, you know, not having that interior rush with uh, with Big Mo Hurst, um, and so so quarterbacks are feeling a little bit more comfortable and able to deliver the ball downfield with a little bit more confidence because um, I think as good as as Gary and Winovich have been and as and as um, a flash of promises that we've seen from from guys like uh, like Pay Pay and uh, and uh, Dwum for um, you know the the interior rush has has been been a drop off from from Mohurst and that 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 was completely to be expected um, and possibly even um, I think somewhat undersold um, as as an, an area of deficiency this year. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, in, in a matter of weeks, we're going to get to see the secondary uh, get get put to the test here with Lewerke and uh, Hornybrook uh, coming up on the schedule. And certainly you have Mick Sorley um, 
you know, in this middle stretch run and then we'll worry about other yes. villains later in the year. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, okay. Um, uh, overall, uh, need to fix the, need to fix the slow starts, need to play the way that, that the defense is capable of playing in the first quarter, uh, particularly on road games. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're also- before, before we move on from the defense, I, a real quick question for my brother, actually. So, Dave, Dave, you made this point, I think, when we were kind of discussing this earlier in the week. But uh, do we think Northwestern scores 17 points if they have to actually uh, drive the field once? Because, I mean, they're, they're scoring drive, and I don't think any of their scoring drives were okay. uh, 60 yards. Yeah, They started on the 44 and the 48, the I believe, on their first uh, – or I believe those I, yeah, are their two touchdown drives. Yeah. Where, you know, the defense, was, I mean, they showed the capability of stopping them before that. So, I mean, you know, the, the, you still can say, you know, you got to make some of the, you got to make those stops. But uh, I think the the field position game early on certainly, certainly hel- uh, did not help that, that aspect of it. So, yeah, just, just weird, a weird start to that game, I think. All right. So let's, uh, let's transition now in, into offense. Uh and uh, do, do we have do we have audio, uh, Scott, for for this transition? Any any sort of uh, wild wildcat uh, oh, uh, noise see. or what? Do you want to? Uh, no, why, let's, let's, leave let's leave the wildcat for the time being. Let's see what else. Let's see what else we've got on the little bar here on Zencaster. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's something that's actually kind of fitting, I think, uh-huh. for how the yeah, offense this is started good. off. <laughs> yeah, this is really good. Uh, yeah, the, the, the audio really makes it sound like we know what we're doing here. So, let's uh, so, um, offense. I said in the podcast uh, a week ago that uh, I was fairly certain that we were going to come out and, and try to throw those body blows, uh, the way that Harbaugh um, had said we were going to continue to do. And certainly we did it to the tune of six and out, I believe. Um, and, uh, and really took, uh, a, a while to, to get going. Um, and, uh, go ahead. So, so I'm, I'm curious to hear your take. Cause I, um, the result is exactly as you described, but you know, Michigan comes out first series, uh, you know, quick pass to Donovan Peoples Jones. Yep. I think they picked up six yards, uh, you try a jet sweep type of action to Ronnie Bell that gets blown up. Uh, and then another pass that I believe was incomplete, or, or that might have been the coverage yeah, sack the for, uh, for Shea Patterson. But um, actually actually came out, you know, with decent protection and, and uh, you know, not, not five wide basketball on grass type of approach, but actually, you know, came out throwing the football. Um and, and even looking at it in the first half, I mean, they, they ran on first down eight times and they got more than yes. four yards on six of those eight first downs. So um, I because I had the exact same impression you did, you know, watching it live in terms of kind of feeling like it was just a sludge, you know. Um, but I, I almost feel that this was more um, slightly missed opportunities, whether it's a big kind of cutback that Higdon had on a very early run where he kind of ran into the back of his lineman. Certainly McCune's drop. Uh, I think there were plays and yards to be had early in this game that for one reason or another, we just didn't quite sync yeah, up I'd be, on. I'd no. be curious to see, I don't know how many wide angle shots there were of, of this game, but like uh, the receiving situation downfield because the 
few times we went downfield, I think we caught most, you know, receivers caught most of them. But I, I just feels like Shea's not quite comfortable enough to kind of throw it up, you know, much more than that in terms of a contested ball, which I think all of us would be happier to see with, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins and Zach Gentry out there who either have the height or leaping ability to, you know, I, I think to, to win most of those. But it, it just doesn't seem like we went to that to that bucket much in this game. And so uh, I thought that the, the offensive line, um, you know, generally speaking, I thought that this was the best game that they'd played so far uh, from a pass protection protection standpoint. Uh, at the very least. Um, yeah. Yeah. The number of like, I don't know, maybe you have a different opinion, but I thought we ran a lot more empty sets than I've seen in, in quite a while. And like every time Higdon motioned out of the backfield, I was like, oh, oh boy. And then Patterson would just have time. And I you, think he you was, he was un, as unnerved as I, as I was in the stands, which may have been part of the problem. And you know, you know what, what you, you saw, or at least what, what I saw that, that leapt out to me when I watched the game. Um, and, and as I've said you know, before, I, I am not an expert in offensive line no, play. No, yeah. But it, it, field, it, it, field, it felt to me, um, as though uh, the the unit was performing um, as as one sort of cohesive offensive line uh, rather than five desperate parts um, in a way that they hadn't been previously. You had you had guards that would that would you know pass their guy off and then go out and and help with the with the rush end coming around, help one of the tackles. Um, mm-hmm. You know you had. Uh, when they talk about the offensive line being sort of five five fingers that need to form a fist, I thought that they were fisting quite well this game. <laughs> no. ah, we're going to get that explicit no. tag on iTunes. That's an offensive line term, and I don't know what you guys are laughing about. I'm, I'm throwing my challenge. Oh, you flag. go ahead and Google oh, that, Master. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald is celebrating Sorry, on the sideline. Anyway, <laughs> but in general, Shea had more time to throw the uh, okay. ball than he'd had all season. Yeah. Um, and and oftentimes I felt as though he um, didn't didn't realize that. And 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 I do not blame blame Shea Patterson one bit for not realizing that given the performance of the previous games but it felt sometimes that he was stepping up he was releasing he was getting the ball out in a manner that um would have been good had the offensive line been performing as they had to date but in this particular game um felt as though uh he probably had a little bit more time and a little bit more uh could could have done with a little bit more patience on on occasion yes do you feel like he adjusted to that as the game went on I do too. I do too. I think he probably came back to the sideline and certainly at halftime uh, and probably got, you know, a little bit of a, just settle down. I, even that first, the, the first sack that was, you know, everybody went crazy because it was the gas. He had three, four good solid seconds of a pocket. And um, I think there's also a part of Shea that is it, he's not always going to hit the check down guy, even mm-hmm. though he knows he's there. Cause I think he's trying to make a play. And I think early in that game, he may have looked off a couple of times where I, I, I can think of two plays early in the first half. One, 
uh, where Higdon was readily available and he ended up having to scramble, I think, for no gain or a yard. And then the coverage sack play uh, where Joel Klatt, who I actually really enjoy, uh, was going on and on and on about the downfield coverage. Nico Collins was wide open on the Northwestern sideline. Uh, and he was actually, I think, the first read. And when Shea came off of him, that's when the pocket yes. started to collapse and, and he didn't go back to him. But um, I, I, it looked to me, at least in the flow of the game, that he started to adjust to that. And, and hopefully that's something going forward that he'll continue to kind of have his timer be a little more and in tune the, with. The Northwestern um, defensive line is, uh, is, is a relatively well-regarded group. Um, so I, I don't think, uh, that, uh, that this was, uh, a, a fluke. Um, I think that, that I, I truly think that the offensive line is starting to come together now. Uh, they're not going to be a strength of this team. I think we all get that. Um, but, uh, when we started this season, when we, when we talk, uh, you know, before, before everything started about what needs to improve, you know, when we got to the offensive line, it was sort of. Um, it was sort of the, the notion that, that they just needed to be serviceable. Uh, in- and, and I would even take it beyond that, Mastin, in terms of, you know, from going yeah. from walking out of Notre Dame Stadium after watching what we had watched and, and watching the tackles perform the way they did and, and even the interior line, the fact that we're even able to talk to about them being serviceable in this performance on the road that to me speaks volumes. I mean, last year, I don't think you could argue you saw hardly any improvement in the offensive line play at all. Uh, and and now here we are five games into the season and, um, you know, they're, they're not having that free rusher come through. They're not having the hugely blown, you know, two guys completely blow their assignments and a play is absolutely dead from the beginning type of mistakes. And, uh, and I think, as the competition has stepped up, like you said, I mean, Northwestern's front seven is a legit front seven. They've got a great rush end in, in uh, the gas. And I, I largely thought they contained him really pretty well. I mean, he made a couple of plays in the game, but nothing earth shattering, nothing that changed the whole tenor of the game. Um, and they gave Patterson plenty of time to throw and generally kept uh, yeah, him pretty yeah, absolutely. clean. And, um, you know, I thought Higdon uh, ran the ball well. He is is clearly the workhorse back here of this um, uh, of the offense in particular. Now, now Evans was was held out of this game. I assume um, uh, was was uh, still still dealing with that the hamstring issue that he had had or the the injury at some at some level. Uh, that's what was reported. Yeah, they they kind of. Uh, Harbaugh in his early week uh, press conferences said that kind of both he kind of lumped Evans and Gary together as as uh, if this was the NFL they would be considered questionable for this upcoming week, uh, but they made it sound like Evans is a little bit more kind of day to day and and I think kind of alluded to and I didn't realize this going into the Notre Dame game said that this was something that actually kept Evans out of the early part of the Notre Dame. So game he's been well. dealing with something for for some time now. Mm. Is a, I think so. I I, I think and, and just you know based yeah. on what he did when he grabbed you know grabbed his hamstring. My guess would be it's a hamstring, and that unfortunately is one of those things that can be you know a, a lingering thing. And if you don't get it taken care of, it, it can certainly stick with you. I know that uh, Drake Harris, you know, when he was here, had recurrent issues uh, from that standpoint, and. 
you know, I think you have to take every precaution with Evans in terms of trying to get him back and serviceable again for that quote meat of the schedule. Um, yeah. I do think the rushing game misses him a little bit, and that's not to take anything away oh. from Karan Higdon whatsoever at all. I thought he played uh, a really solid game. I mean, he had several runs um, outside of the 30-yarder where he was just one guy away, and, and to give full credit to Northwestern, they tackled well. Um, but, I, you know, I, Higdon's vision overall to me has been solid. He, he's missed a few gaps here and there. I don't think anyone's uh, complaining, certainly, about a, a 30 attempts, 115 yards, uh, 3.8 a pop for Higdon. Um, you know, that's uh, 30 attempts is no joke. Um, that, that's a lot of work. Uh, that's a lot of touches for a guy. No, and, I, and I think you're right. I, I do think that the rushing attack misses um, uh, Chris Evans. Uh, mostly for the, the change of speed that he brings, but also just to give um, uh, just to give uh, uh, Higdon a blow uh, when he needs one. Yeah, I, I thought True Wilson did. I, I don't. I can't remember how many carries he had, but uh, he seems to still be holding his own in terms of both pass protection and try and getting a couple carries in there. And I think it's not it's not a waste of a carry. Uh, when True Wilson's in Not there, I think he's shown enough ability to 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 become to be a to be a running threat to to not make that. Not kind of a, and, and I would have maybe liked to have seen uh, Mason in so. in more single back sets uh, uh, this game, but um, you know, I, I mean, overall the rushing attack I thought was. Um, was fine if not if not sort of uh, eye popping. There there was uh, there were there were two uh, wide receiver issues that I thought were interesting, both involving Nico Collins. Um, the the first being uh, I, I thought that that he could have picked up a crucial first down at one play where where he caught it about four yards short and started sort of dancing and going laterally when when really he needed to just get upfield. Um, as quickly as he possibly could and maybe cost Michigan a first down. Um, the second being uh, the, the, that sort of he caught the ball along the sideline but didn't drag a toe. And that, that's kind of that play that you need to make, especially if you are if you have eyes on, uh, on Sundays. you got to get in there. Oh, okay. So, so I was just saying that I think um, that in a short yardage situation, there were several times in this game where we had the opportunity – to use Ben Mason and for whatever reason we did not. And I was a little bit flummoxed by that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think I, I, and from, and from my standpoint, I am totally fine with that being a telegraphed play. If that means that on third and one uh, Mason is the guy getting the ball, kind of like a Khalid Hill uh, type of approach where everyone knows what's coming uh, until a team's able to line up and actually stop it, I, that's what I want to see. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why you're not running that again uh, on Northwestern when Nebraska showed no interest in even, you know, sometimes even trying to make the tackle. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. So yeah, I, I, that, that's that's one I was I was mystified by. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Master, we were just talking about you know the Ben Mason factor and and the lack of usage of him here and. Uh, I think that might dovetail kind of nicely into, you know, uh, when when Michigan was clawing its way back into this football game, we had several drives uh, in the first half where we got down to the 10 or even inside the 10, uh, only to watch it fizzle out. And uh, just kind of curious what your thoughts are as far as, you know, what we're doing in the red zone or, or adjustments you think we might need to make going forward. Well, uh, I, I think – 
so so the the red zone play calling um, again two complete different sides of the spectrum. Um, there was there was the, at the beginning of of the game there, there were plays that were running that that's kind of weird play action where it's just like you've got the ball on the five yard line. Um, you know, smash forward here and see uh, see if you can't make some progress that way. And that seemed to um, that that that's that's reared its head a couple times uh, with with sort of weird play calling uh, down around the goal line, particularly when you have a guy like Ben Mason who can just pound the pile uh, forward. Uh, or it seems it seems that he can certainly. Um, at will, but then late in the game, uh, the, the last touchdown they scored, um, they ran that beautiful, that call. really beautiful just sort call. of wacky, wacky pre-snap motion, um, you know, weirdness with the with the four receivers bunched out that uh, that um, what was a legal formation, a, a legal formation. It was it was legal, um, but I would say that that outside receiver is probably pushing the boundaries on what's considered line of scrimmage. Um, but, uh, but certainly that was something that completely caught Northwestern off guard and then they ran it again, uh, but they ran different action off of it, um, to pick up that first down uh, on the final drive. Right. So, 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 I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, um, the, 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 the play calling, I'm not complaining about play calling whatsoever, um, here, uh, it's just, uh, they, they can, they can do that sort of masterful, uh, job to get Higdon an easy score um, there uh, there there in the fourth quarter in the red zone and it's it's just kind of one of those things again in my naivety around uh, around um, how all this works uh, it's just like do more of that like ditch the 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 sort of frippery um, and, and fancy stuff uh, particularly when you get it around are the we at all yeah. go ahead Dave I'm sorry I, I I will say I say our our father in the stands was was losing it uh, <laughs> at that play and, and mainly on the, the both of those third down calls and while I you know I would have liked to have seen different stuff on first and second down like uh, I mean Grant Perry was open in the, yeah. you know, running that route. And we've seen him throw that pass to, I think, Donovan Peoples-Jones a couple of weeks ago. And then on the second one, Nico Collins uh, needs to reach it. up and catch the ball. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I, wide I, wide I, open. Yeah. So there were opening, like, a, I, you know, I think those play, those passes, you know, the second one may be a little easier than the first one, but that's making it probably more difficult than it needs to be. But those were, it's not like those were completely unsuccessful plays right. in terms of the design and, and what they were trying to do but yeah I, I absolutely agree that you know we, we may have been you know overthinking it a bit but i, I would you know, still love unpredictable to see in the red zone maybe that pays off later maybe maybe uh, you know i i'm mystified at the lack of us utilizing kind of gentry mccune eubanks um and, and collins to an extent as far as those types of routes inside the red zone to date um and I think, you know, as, as we're talking about Collins, you know, I, I, I'm 95% certain he was our uh, leader in, in receiving yards this game. It may have been Gentry. Um, and he has done a really nice job for, for a guy who's essentially, you know, playing as, as a freshman. I mean, given the amount of time that he got on the field last year, I do think that there were two plays in particular where, uh, it's third down. He gets the ball and he has the markers in sight. And instead of just charging north south, you know, tries to put a move on a guy as a as a six foot five guy uh, and gets stopped short of the marker. And and that to me jumps out as a as a totally coachable type of thing. 
Uh, but, you know, those are two very different looking drives and, and overall possessions if we're able to keep moving the sticks there on on well-designed plays that, you know, just got to go forward and, and get the yardage that's available for you instead of trying to break it into one huge play. Yeah, and I feel like we saw him do that a couple. And so I may, they must, maybe they were talking about that on the side because there was a few of them where he just ran over people for two or three more yards. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully that gets more consistent because, yeah, his his body type is not one to – to shimmy it's to it's to to run through correct so. correct Masson, you still with us i know we've been having a little bit of uh kind of technical glitches here as we've been talking hey that's the uh that that's the the, the beauty of doing this uh <laughs> sort of on the fly so we'll uh we'll be all right sorry about that oh, no uh, there in the middle yeah uh all good um so the the last bit around the offense uh you know for me so so I, you know, first of all, I think it goes without saying, like Shea Patterson in the second half um, was the guy who sort of came alive and in a lot of ways was uh, the quarterback that I think I anticipated him being, which was, um, you know, if, if no one's if no one's there, get it upfield and see what you can get. He seemed to really settle into that role of like, I'm going to um, – in some ways put the offense on, on my back here and, and, and get this done uh, no matter what, uh, no matter what. Uh, so I was really, really encouraged to see that out of Shea Patterson. Yeah. I, I, that, that's a performance that we've been sorely lacking. And, you know, had we had that last year, we're probably a one loss football team last year, you know? Um, but to see that kind of come together, especially in the face of adversity and, and on the road, and I know, Masson, you and I kind of joked about whether it's a road game or not. Um, for all of my annoyance and Pat Fitzgerald's sideline behavior, the guy's a good coach. He gets as much as he possibly can out of the team. They play fundamentally sound football. They don't often beat themselves. Um, so, so to come back there, you know, Northwestern is better than their record suggests. Uh, they're certainly better than Nebraska. Um I think I think you kind of take a positive from that and say, hey, we don't want to be in that situation again. But, uh, you know, when the chips were down, the team responded. And I think the team rallied around Shea, uh, which is going to be huge going forward. So let's get into uh, the officiating, Um, you know, and and not just this game, uh, really, um, but. You know, uh, overall, there there have been the the reports uh, out, and and I think we've all probably seen them, uh, where um, the the holding calls in particular, when we're just talking about holding, Michigan is significant stand, stand you know, uh, uh, significantly outside the mean um, of drawing holding penalties um, if, from officials uh, in Big Ten conference play. Absolutely last. The actual numbers in the last three seasons uh, updated, I think, for the most recent game are Michigan has 11, and I think the leaders have 28. How many NFL draft picks have we even had? In the yeah, and, and then you right. couch that with the defensive That's lines that has twenty eight, um, and Purdue is second. Um, you know, uh, with with I think twenty six, and you look at you look at teams like Ohio State who are comparable uh, to Michigan, and uh, and you're talking about uh, having twenty holding calls, uh, uh, or, or, you know, or drawn twenty holding calls. Michigan's got 10, 11. What what's the what's the number? Yeah, eleven. Yeah, yeah, ten. Um, and people, people blow this off as, as insignificant. I mean, you know, two holding calls against Ohio state the last two years and we have two wins. 
So, uh, you know, it's infuriating. Um, and it, it goes beyond just saying, oh, we had a bad call. I mean, it, it, the numbers that jump out, uh, you know, they looked at holding, they looked at holding these last three years. Uh, but you just look at what's happened since Harbaugh has joined the team. Uh, what happened in Columbus in 2016, the makeup of that officiating crew, um, you know, it, it, the sheer volume of penalties that have been called and, and people who will go ranting in the stands or online on comments about how this just points to uh, undisciplined players. These aren't undisciplined penalties. These aren't, you know, personal foul, late hits, sparty, no type of plays, guys on the sideline, you know, that both targetings for Hudson have been questionable at best. You have the worst holding call in the history of football, according to Harbaugh, this game. Uh, and, and you know, for once the broadcasters agree. Um, you know, we went back. I, I took a look at four of the penalties from this game, okay? So from the holding call against Higdon, the quote holding call against Runyon, uh, each of those, so the Runyon one wiped out uh, a total of 25 yards in terms of change of field position. So we would have had it at the Northwestern 46. We ended up with it on our own 29 um, you know, the Higdon call was a loss of 30 yards. Patterson had made it to the 41 on Northwestern side of the field. Instead, we end up on our own 29. So those two, uh, entirely change the composition of those drives and the composition so, of the game, uh, both blocking the, the holding calls, um, those two holding calls that, yes, uh, e- even if you're going to throw the flag on those, on those particular calls, um, they are, um, they are not being called fairly on the other side, right? No consistency. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's the other. That's the other side of the right. Is that not only is Michigan not drawing uh, these calls, but when you look at the frequency with which Michigan opponents are pen- like the Michigan's opponents, excuse me, are penalized, um, they rank, I believe, 99th in the country so far this year. Uh, and then Michigan obviously is, uh, I believe, 118th nationally in terms of penalties. Right. And so penalty so yards it's not even that, that they're being um, called. I mean, admittedly, the Higdon one uh, goes beyond the pale in terms of sort of. I mean, so, somebody just just massively screwed up that call. But the running call, like if you're going to call, if you're sure. going to call it there, okay, okay, <laughs> you have to call <laughs> right. Chase Winovich getting tackled. Right. Right. Like. If you're going to call Runyon making a routine offensive line play a hold and, and change 30 yards of field position uh, on the second to last play of the football game, uh, that is still very much in the balance at that point in time when our perhaps best defensive end gets tackled in front of the umpire, you have to throw the flag. The game situation does not change the football rules, does not change how the game should be called. Um and the frequency with which that happens, and, and like David said, you look at the guys we have put into the NFL from our defense these last three years, and there is no explanation and for what's, what's that few of holding calls. That that defies statistical, you know, that's not just these guys aren't good at their job. You know, this is such a disproportionate um, distribution as far as calls go that it, it goes beyond just saying, oh, well, these aren't these aren't full time. And full-time guys that's its own issue um but to me look, there's these, there's got to be something else calls going on. that are being called against michigan but not not against whoever it is that michigan's playing you know statistically um they might cost you know two holding calls are worth 20 yards right but when you look at the 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 aggregate of where those plays ended up and the fact that the holding call had no bearing on, on sure. the way that that play 
sort of bore out. That's costing us in this game, in the microcosm of this game, that cost us 55 yards of field position. Correct. 58, actually, by the time it was all said and done, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and, and especially the, uh, the Higdon one came right after Michigan had taken the lead and could drive down and, mm-hmm. and ostensibly put the game away. Right. Um, and you go from first, first and 10 on Northwestern's 41 to all of a sudden back into your own territory and, you know, you're way behind the sticks. Um, and, and uh, to me, it's just, it's gotten to a point now where, you know, when you can name the officials, you know, Paul O'Neill, the crew that, that was officiating uh, the game that they kicked Hudson out for basically putting his face mask into a guy's number. Um, and I just it's the number of penalties and the discrepancy between them. Michigan had 10 penalties in this game. Nebraska had two. One of them was a somewhat garbage penalty of defensive holding because I think our sideline had pointed yeah, it out was, so many I times. I still kind of mad when they threw that flag. Um, <laughs> yes, because it, it came on it came on Higdon's best run of the day, you know, and I thought for sure, based on what's been going on historically, that that was going to be a hold on us and put us back on our own five-yard line, you know. Um but I, I just – I do not buy the the take that says, well, good teams play past the calls. Uh, the way officials are, are dictating these games uh, and impacting it, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a good team or, or not. You know, you're erasing 55 yards of field position. You added the two blocks in the back on the punts. It's 110 yards total, you know. I mean, for heaven's sake, Nebraska – or Nebraska, Northwestern had 200 yards for the game. We had that many erased in penalties, you know. Um, I, it's it's infuriating. It goes it goes back cool. several years. Um, I'm not saying that I've got a tinfoil hat on, Mastin, but I, I I think that it can be something as simple as somebody like Delaney or anybody else telling these officiating crews, "Don't let Harbaugh intimidate you," and that's all you need to set your mindset for how to call a football game. Um, and I think Michigan's been on the short end of the stick uh, point, of it for far too I long. I can't begrudge I don't, anybody for – like it, it's gotten so egregious. And and I think that that scatter plot that I saw, I think somebody on on MGO blog put together the scatter plot of, um, of, of where teams stood and Michigan was, was so far above and beyond um, that like – I, I, I can't begrudge anybody from uh, holding the the opinion that this might be something of a, of a conspiracy. Harbaugh um, got going, called for a basketball foul in the Ohio State game two years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and speaking speaking of, um, would anyone care to guess how many holding calls Ohio State has had against them in our last two games? <laughs> Well, didn't like, the Ohio State's one. offensive line's been called for like wasn't it like three years in a row they weren't called for a holding penalty in ten play? I believe that's correct. I think it's been three straight years. So at, at this point, with the officiating and the, there there was uh, the the scatter plot that I saw on MGO blog that really drove this point home that had Michigan you know just just eons above uh, and 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 outside the the mean here. So at, at this point, uh, particularly with holding calls, but also just with officiating in general, I, I think that the range of opinions from, um, boy, this is weird, uh, all the way to the extreme sort of conspiracy theory, 
um, I think it's sort of all on the table uh, at, at this point uh, in time. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm always hesitant to, to, to bring out the, the C word, uh, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, just I, to I, be clear, that's conspiracy <laughs> in this context. <laughs> just to be clear, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean the the stats that have been posted are really like when you have a a, a delta from first to second to last, and then you have to do that delta again to get to Michigan. I mean, that's just, you know, that's, there's something, there's something, there's something there. And I I think it could be, it it doesn't have to be this, you know, cabal of, you know, shadowy men, you know, in a room, you know, picking up the telephone saying, you know, call the penalty here. It could could be what Scott said earlier about, uh, you know, you know, an emphasis on not letting, you know, Harbaugh get to you or something like that. And just that but can be how, enough, I think, to kind of color the, some of these big games, especially. But then how, how do you explain uh, some of the officiating crews that have been selected for various games? I'm, I'm speaking, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking right at those Ohio State games where you had people who had been suspended, people who had known sort of affiliations with, with Ohio State. Who weren't State allowed to do Michigan-Ohio yep. State 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean – yeah, it's probably. Yeah. I think Jim Delaney doesn't like Michigan. Like, and so, th- this is what blows my mind, though, is that that the ostensibly, anyways, for Delaney and for the Big Ten in general, D- Delaney is there for one reason: it's to make money, um, right? Uh, and I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure he would claim to be all sorts of mission driven and everything else, but the guy has proven to be a mastermind at making money. A successful Michigan only makes him more money. Right. So 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 that's what what just blows my mind by by the notion that, that this has been, um, you know, continuing to happen is that at least at least on the surface, it goes against what Delaney would want to uh, be doing. Although I guess that kind of falls apart when you get down to the final game of the season, uh, because at that point, you're determining which team you really want to represent your conference, you know, uh, since since the one division of our entire conference is, is from a performance on the field standpoint, measurably worse uh, than the, the other division of the conference. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which that's a, that's, that's a whole podcast unto itself, but it's like, it, you know, I, I can still name these guys, Masson. Okay. So Kevin Schwartzel uh, got banned from doing a game in 2006 as a known Ohio State fan, was one of the officials on the field in Columbus in 2016. Daniel Caprone uh, had previously been dismissed from officiating uh, due to poor performances on the field. And then Bobby Sagers, who's a Cincinnati native and member of the Ohio uh, High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame. That's your crew on the field in Columbus for the biggest Michigan-Ohio State game since 2006. And then you just look at the way the game was called. And... um, so, I mean, you have that level of, of meddling. Um, and I, I wrote an email to, to um, I forget his first oh. name, but Carollo. Uh, you wrote an, afterward. You wrote an, oh, yeah. Strongly it, was, it was shouting into the void. But, uh, you know, what else were you supposed to do after that game? But, I, I but just, I, you know, you look back at these stories of former officials talking about Delaney calling them uh, before big games and talking to them. And you look back at the stories of the officials who worked Bo's last Rose Bowl and somebody went to them and told them, don't let Bo boss you around. Michigan loses that Rose Bowl because of a 
terrible holding call that erases an enormous game on a fake punt. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's people will call it tinfoil hat. No, you're not allowed to whine about the officials. But it has reached a point that it's it is beyond the general grumbling of the stands of, oh, we didn't get that call. The, well, the, take it and take it in a vacuum. Um, you know, maybe, maybe these things don't raise above the level of sort of general incompetence, which I think um, is somewhat to be expected when you have an amateur um, officiating um, system the way that they do, uh, because these are this is, these are not full time uh, jobs. These are these are essentially somebody's part time job. There is no accountability um, on uh, on on anybody uh, for performance, mostly because there can't be because, again, these are. Um, you know, part time to the point of almost being volunteer work for uh, these uh, for these officials, and so um, and so so taken in in a vacuum, I can sort of chalk every one of these up to sort of the incompetence of of an amateur organization, um, and and something that I think I think needs to be addressed. I think it's it's approaching existential uh, in the Big Ten um, for getting an officiating. Um, system that makes sense that has accountability built in that uh that that provides full-time jobs um you know for these guys everyone's making gobs of money i I can't imagine why they can't peel some of that off in order to get competent officiating on the field but when you take it in in the context of everything right now we're talking about um about the crews that have been selected we're talking about holding calls we're talking about uh you know uh, phone calls uh, dating back to Schembechler. um that's why i say like I, I i'm not quite there personally on terms of the shadowy figures and things like that but i don't i'm finding it increasingly hard to begrudge people who may have that opinion, whereas previously I would have absolutely rolled my eyes at them and said, sure. stop whining. To, to me, it is not mutually exclusive to say that these guys are amateurs. Exa- exactly what you just said, that, that we should expect better and that there should be a system in place that you get better and that this becomes their job. It is not mutually exclusive to recognize that and simultaneously point out that while the performances may be substandard, they are disproportionately substandard when Michigan is involved compared to everyone else in the conference. And looking purely at data, give me another explanation that accounts for that. We are far outside a statistical, well, you know, Michigan's gotten 23 holding calls and Ohio State's gotten 27 over the last three years. I mean, we are talking literally half and almost a third compared to the leading team in the conference as far as just holds. And then you start looking at targetings. You start looking at these other game changing calls and no calls. Um, And, and there's not a doubt in my mind that the officials have cost Michigan football games over the last three years. And and certainly it dates beyond that, but uh, directly speaking, uh, I mean, they, they stole a win in Columbus in 2016. Um, You know, and you over time, when you look at how this impacts a program and a fan base, I don't think it is unreasonable to point out that looking at the data over time, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, And then to ask, what are the explanations for why this doesn't make sense? Uh, I think that is different than just saying, oh, they're out to get us. 
we've absolutely sort of identified a problem. Uh, and, and I mean, we not not we here, you know, the three of us, you know, solely, but but um, you know, I, and and I think that it's going to take uh, uh, something more to to maybe rectify it. But um, you know, we're, we're we're approaching the point where I want uh, I want athletic director, I want head coach. I want people who are just tangentially connected to the program um, starting to rattle a few cages on this because it's uh, it, it's gotten sort of beyond the pale here. The, the, um, the, yeah, but, the overall increase in quality should not be a difficult thing to up to. Like, is there a single fan base that's like, oh, I love how the officials call right. games? I, I don't think so. Like I, I, so I, you know, and you know, you know, it, it really comes down to the fact that I don't really give a shit about any of the other teams. But this is something Indiana, where we can all be in agreement. Indiana is that, happy. Indiana is happy with the amount of holding calls that they're doing. <laughs> they're the one. They're the but one. They're probably Indiana, unhappy about Indiana you know, wants to know too many men in the backfield or something like yeah. that. They've got a. They've got a. They've got their own pet peeve. Indiana okay. wants those to turn into charges. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, yeah, it's 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 not to yeah this officiating game is not going to be easy. They're not going to be perfect. It's just like any level of just vaguest consistency or just showing a recognition of a of a, a substandard level of performance yeah. and, and working to correct it would be at least something. But there's and, just I mean yeah, and I mean not not to to beat the horse that I think is dead, but but. Look, if you can call holding on every play, which is the old football adage, you can call holding on any on any given play, then you should damn well see that distribution of holding calls be pretty tightly bunched. Yeah. Or, or redefine what holding is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. So we've beaten that. We've beaten that drum. Uh, we will continue to beat it uh, as as the situation merits. Let's turn our eyes to Maryland here. Uh, real quick, I, I will go on record. Last week, I predicted, I think we both predicted a 20 plus points, uh, an easy win. Uh, <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, so, we did. Uh, we'll, we'll put, uh, we'll put that performance on us. Um, I, I will say this about Maryland I, I, I do not sleep on this Maryland team. Uh, they are better than, uh, than you think that they have any right to be. Uh, and I think that they will pose a challenge uh, for, for this team. I, 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 I'm not going so far as to say we lose, but but I'm thinking that that a game that feels very much like Northwestern felt last week is going to be how, how how Maryland feels this week. That that's my that's my thought. I I was leaning that way, and as I looked a little bit more into Maryland, so just real quick, back of the baseball card level stuff here: three and one beat Texas. Really inexplicable loss to Temple. Um, blew Minnesota out, which I don't know if that tells us anything. Um, they're a fairly big play offense. Uh, they've had 18 touchdowns. 13 of them have been on plays greater than 20 yards. Uh, but they're very heavily dependent on the run. Uh, I think their passing offense uh, accounts for maybe 120 yards a game. Um, you know, they use a, a jet sweep type of motion. Matt Canada is kind of the interim coach. He's the offensive coordinator uh, as well for the team, uh, but very rushing dependent. Um, rushing defense has been ranked well. They rank 18th, and I've heard people in previews talking about this that this week. Uh, but when you take a little bit deeper dive, you look at the offenses they've faced. Texas has the 91st ranked rushing offense, Bowling Green 126th, Temple 97th, Minnesota 84th. So the, they haven't faced anything as far as a rushing offense goes. Ours checks in at 35th. Um, uh, you know, I... 
I agree. I think they probably have the potential to surprise us, but the way they make hay is on the ground, and I am very comfortable with that with our this, defense. Uh, this um, uh, Anthony McFarland guy uh, is going to pop a couple big runs that, that are going to be very annoying. This is, Mastin, to me, where I think – you see the linebackers jump back off the page. This has Devin Bush type of game written all over it. I don't think there's a guy on their team that's going to jet sweep past him from a speed standpoint. Um, My only worry right now is they're predicting rain for the game. Um, And so I I hate it when weather kind of equalizes things out. Knowing that Maryland likes to run the ball, um, I think that might knock down the possessions overall. Um, the Vegas spread on this thing is 17 to 18, depending on kind of no where way. you look. Um, I'm, I'm, that I'm seems that a little broad. I, I could totally see this being, you know, a 27, 14 type of game, um, where the 14 is annoying, like you said, on a busted <laughs> play, but it's never really necessarily that close. Uh, but I think at home and with our defense, I think Michigan takes care of business. David, uh, 38, 10. Okay. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're, it's a, they're, they're turtles. It's, it's, it's at Michigan. I, I don't know. I, I, I think Mar- yeah, Maryland is absolutely better than I expected them to be, but I expected them to be like abject. So I don't know what that quite means, but I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm hoping that this comeback experience kind of helps them gel. And I think going back home, I, I, I don't know. I've, I just have more confidence in this team than I have in, I guess well, since than last year. I, I so will I, say that that you know at least uh, at least to date, um, that those first quarter sort of bugs that need to be worked out don't seem to appear uh, when we play at home, uh, and yeah. that uh, it, and you know at least on the surface it feels as though Michigan can build the offense can build off of what they did at the second the second half um, at Northwestern and continue to. Uh, um, to find ways to grind out first downs, to find ways to put it in the end zone. I just, um, I, I think, I, I think Maryland's a lot better um, than than what we thought they'd be. And I agree, Dave, that, that they, I thought that they would be sort of in the in the triple digits in terms of sort of um, uh, rankings, if if you're going to if you're going to put it that way. But like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that they're more physical than you think uh, they are. Um, they have had a, a really dichotomous running game. They've had two uh, performances that have, have seen the rushing attack net, um, you know, uh, really, really the high yardage, 150, 200 yard plus games uh, on the ground. They've had two games that have been just uh, just awful in the rushing game. So, um, you know, my, my bet is, is that that this feels a lot closer and is at least for the first half a little bit more of a slugfest. Uh, than uh, than we might uh, be anticipating. My hunch is that Michigan pulls away again uh, in the second half. Um, let's uh, let's let's call it. Uh, yeah, I think I think twenty seven to fifteen seems right. I'm going to throw out the fifteen as a weird football. I like that. Yep. Right, there you go. Yep. Fifteen. Yep. Fifteen makes sense. Um, I, you know, with David uh, David predicting that score, I think the actual score now is going to be sixty three to three. <laughs> given our given our relative levels of optimism, I love hearing that out of my brother. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, well, you know, Maryland in the last three years has scored a combined thirteen points. So, so that's true. That's true. I think they were playing, uh, you know, our greyhound at quarterback uh, oh, yeah. at the end of the game last year. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, I listen. 
I, I think we're a better football team on both sides of the ball. Uh, I hear what you're saying, Mastin. I think, uh, you know, offensively, they're going to look like a very different football team from what we've seen from them the last two years. Uh, I just happen to think the way they try to go about doing that is playing into something that we are built to stop. Um, and so my hope is that we don't have any of those gaffes that give them a, a chunk of yardage that accounts for, you know, points. Um, and, you know, hopefully the weather doesn't play great yep. equalizer here. I, I do. I do want to stress that Maston's mindset is game day. David's mindset. <laughs> <laughs> this is mid-week. as opposed to midweek. That's true, David. Where this, this game is entirely theoretical and you know in, in fairyland, so I can just go ah, two hundred points seems that's believable. Right. So there you go. So by the time the game kicks off, I'll be like, oh, just man, I don't care. Just God. Just. <laughs> Three, two. I find myself breathing a lot easier after Michigan scores a touchdown. Like in every game, they've scored, and I've been like, okay, we're going to be good. Even when we were down Northwestern, they scored the touchdown. I said, okay, we can, we're going to be fine. So, uh, looking great. Go ahead, Scott. My last. Oh, I was going to say last bailiwick because, um, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week, and we don't need to have a huge long discussion of it. Uh, you win the coin toss. You put the defense on the field. There's no other answer. It's never appropriate to take the football. Okay. Never. So, all right, from from yes. your lips to Harbaugh's ears. Uh, so we uh, we'll look forward to it. We'll look forward to, to reconvening here next week and uh, and talking about it. Uh, but in the meantime, here uh, let's uh, let's go blue. Go blue. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.